All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hello, friend. This is an episode of Note to Self, but from when we used to be called New Tech City. Same good content, just the old name. Enjoy. Summer is winding down, your beach days are numbered, and maybe you're thinking, hmm, what are some new skills I could use as I go back to school or back to work? Everyone is talking about learning to code. Maybe I should too. Yeah, well, that's what I thought anyway. This is New Tech City. I'm your host, Manoush Samarodi. And earlier this year, I decided to confront my fear of coding. Let's just say there's a reason I majored in English. I signed up for a one-day intensive class offered by a British company called Decoded. It just opened up recently here in New York. A warm welcome to everyone to Code in a Day, New York. Very exciting day. Picture a bright, airy loft in Midtown with a healthy organic buffet set up next to a long table, fully charged MacBook Airs placed carefully at every seat. Uh, My name is Ali, this is John. We shall be guiding you on the path to digital enlightenment today. Ali Blackwell and John Ridpath swore we would learn by doing. They promised we would make our own app, yup, in one day, and that we would understand a little bit more about this new relationship being forged between humans and machines. Computers are super fast, but fundamentally, you know, stupid. But together, we can change the world. And if the computers are learning how we think, then we've got to understand how they think, which is why Each student had paid, or convinced their company to pay, about $1,500 for this nine-hour course. Yeah, not cheap. There was the founder of a travel startup, an MTA marketing executive. Some uh, private equity investor out of Chicago. And Jared Grant, a strategist at Paper Magazine, who immediately caught my attention with his wild pastel shirt. I, of course, had to overshare as soon as we started chatting. I am going to have to deal with some serious insecurities through this day. This is not just learning to code. It's like a nine-hour therapy session. This is kind of like your your Sheryl Sandberg, like, lean-in moment for the day, isn't it? totally. Go. I know. I'm pumped. I'm leaning in, too. All right. (laughs) But first, we had to learn about the building blocks of the web, including why 1979 is considered the birth of the global network and why code is just a series of zeros and ones. Uh, It's just binary code. A one means on, a zero means off. Kind of like Morse code. Cool. I really enjoyed this history lesson part. But that wasn't what we were here for, right? Here's me at around 11 a.m. We still haven't touched the keyboard yet. And I think it's going to be the act of coding that I'm going to have to commit an act of coding in order to sort of, like, take my anxiety level down a notch. Just before lunch, we finally cracked open those pristine Mac Airs And we learned this dirty little secret. It turns out that you can search Google, then cut and paste your way to coding. Kind of like using a phrase book in a foreign country instead of actually learning the grammar of another language. So perfect for when you're just starting out, but you're not going to be a virtuoso, right? So I did my cutting and pasting, 
and my personal project actually started to appear on screen. I'm building this app for my family to check in when they get home. I changed the color of the font, which was very exciting. And I also added a map of our neighborhood by stealing it from Google Images. I am really proud of myself that I know that HTML is what it says on there. The CSS is the way it looks. That alone is a triumph. After lunch, though, things got more challenging. They wanted us to add geolocation to our app, you know, so your phone could track and alert you when you arrived at your destination. I gotta say, I started to have a bit of an existential crisis, and I kind of drifted off. Would this class have been easier for me if, say, in third grade, I had actually understood multiplication instead of just memorizing the times tables? With all the talk about the lack of women working in tech, am I letting down my gender by admitting this is extremely difficult for me? Why doesn't anyone else here want to talk about how this class is making them feel? I checked in with my old friend Jared. You know, the guy with the cool shirt that I bonded with at breakfast. How are you feeling at this point? I'm feeling pretty good. You're still feeling good? I mean, you have to be so detailed. You can't just be like... It's like needlepoint on the internet. (laughs) After eight and a half hours, time to present my finished product. I'm calling it the Helicopter Parenting App. Do you want to talk us through the the thinking, the the UX? The Helicopter Parent App. I think this makes total sense. Kids should check in to make sure that they did indeed get home. They can see what's on the school lunch menu tomorrow if they click there. Oh, Well, I did. I, I really did make an app. Kind of amazing. Do I completely understand how I did this? It was a little, I gotta say, over my head. But the mere act of creating it myself made it less, less scary. It did. It made it less scary. So in the end, yeah, I think I conquered my fear of coding. What I actually gained was even greater reverence for the languages that power our digital world and the people who speak those languages fluently. Coding is not for everybody, but we all should look under the hood and see what's driving our phones, laptops, and lives these days. We've got a video of my attempt to code in a day. You can watch my drama unfold and even see the app that I made. When we first aired this show, we heard from a lot of you. In fact, many of you emailed me directly to say that watching me struggle and be so pathetic on video actually really (laughs) inspired you and that you had decided to finally try out some coding yourself. So let us know how it went. Let us know if you even made something at newtechcity.org in the comments section for this week, or you can always hit me on Twitter at Manoush Z. Coming up... You meet a problem in the world, which may or may not be scientific or technological. How do you go about solving it? What things do you do when you're faced with a new situation? Even if coding ain't your bag, you can change the way you use your brain in the digital age. Keith Devlin is a mathematics professor at Stanford. He is a co-founder and executive director of the university's H-Star Institute. This is a research center that focuses on people and technology. And his big focus is also on explaining math to people who wouldn't naturally gravitate toward it, which is why I really wanted to talk to him about his book, which is called An Introduction to Mathematical Thinking. 
and what that even really means. The reason I called my book Mathematical Thinking is because it's a way of thinking about novel problems in the world. How do you go about solving it? What things do you do when you're faced with a new situation? I actually got my mathematics degree by learning how to apply a bunch of known techniques very efficiently. And for many years, that's what I did. But for the last 15 years, all of my work with industry and with the government, with the defence departments involving me being a mathematician has been, here's a new kind of problem, can you help us solve it? And that's what today's world is like. It's interesting because when I think of mathematical thinking, I think of the movie A Beautiful Mind. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, John Nash, a Nobel laureate in economics, and you would see his mind computing, essentially. Yeah. Are Um, there people who think that way naturally? Do you? um, Mathematics really, as done by a mathematician, is incredibly creative. In terms of John Nash in A Beautiful Mind, one of my favorite scenes is when John and his future wife are outside at a party and she says, you know, basically something like, show me what a mathematician does. And he points up at the sky and says, what do you see? And she says, I just see stars. And he said, okay, let me look at what they're on. And he traces out patterns in the, in the sky. And he says, well, we can see the Orion's belt and so forth. And he says, those patterns were always there, but the mathematician is able to discover them. And that, I think, captures mathematics in one beautiful Ron Howard movie scenes because that's what mathematicians do. We look at something, and on the face of it, it's just a jumble. It's a mess. There's no structure. But by thinking about it for some period of time, structure emerges. Then we realize what used to be a mess was actually a beautiful, elegant structure. We just didn't see it before. Now, did you always think that way when you saw things, like growing up as a child? Was that just the sort of direction that your brain automatically veered towards? Um, There was certainly some of that, which meant I was the bane in in the life of my mathematics teacher because my mathematics teacher just wanted me to learn the methods and apply them. And I was looking for the reasons, the underlying patterns, and that takes longer to bring out. So there was sort of a predilection towards doing that. But it's really just a technique, a way of thinking that I've developed and honed over a professional career. I love to trot this out that in 10th grade, I was told that I was not good at math. And ah. so, <laughs> so oh, I think that it's a way of thinking that I've never really embraced because I figured it wasn't something that came naturally for me and therefore I should not pursue it. But you're saying yeah. that this is something that people can train themselves to do. For some reason, the time has happened when a bunch of us are beginning to say this can be learned. It's just that none of us have hitherto bothered to try and show people how to do it. So several of us at the same time, quite independently, have brought out books, brought out videos. I've got my massive online course. We're now at the beginning of an era when I think there'll be a rapid growth in mathematical thinking. We spoke to Temple Grandin, who really describes Mm. herself as a visual thinker. You know, she sees everything in pictures. And we've spoken to other thinkers who think linguistically, really, that words and stories are the way that they sort of tackle anything. And then what you're really talking about is is sort of less mathematical thinking, but really very much problem solvers. It's also the ability to see a pattern that hasn't been recognized before. We've actually come very close to being the visual artists. Was it Michelangelo who said that the statue was actually already in the marble? His job was simply to chip away the part of the marble that wasn't the David or whatever the example was. The unique thing a mathematician brings is sees hidden patterns in situations, not visual patterns necessarily, but in his or her mind, we see sort of structural patterns, logical patterns, solution patterns. We see some structure that's hidden in that morass in front of us 
And that enables us or other people to make progress and, and, and either build a new technology or solve a, a global problem or whatever the issue is. Do you think that this way of thinking is more valued in the world these days simply because we see that technology, computer science, this sort of areas are now becoming more and more important to our economy? From my perspective, living in the middle of Silicon Valley and actually having a technology startup company in Silicon Valley, I and everybody else in the Valley who's in the technology business laments the fact that we cannot get hold of people who are good mathematical thinkers. You can certainly get certain kinds of engineers. You can certainly get certain kind of people who can do mathematical equations and solve mathematical problems. But the ability to think mathematically, that is incredibly hard to find people with that ability. And in reality, most of today's leading-edge technology companies or leading-edge companies in general desperately need mathematical thinking because the world is changing so fast that the problems of tomorrow need new solutions that weren't required for the problems of yesterday. So mostly now in business, you're faced new situations, new technologies come out. You need someone who can think about a new situation. That's the, the, the gold standard now in, in, on the sort of the mathematical side of, of, of education. Develop people who can solve new problems that have arisen in a new situation. And that's a different way of thinking from being able to apply a collection of techniques. Okay, so you don't need to learn how to code to use your brain in the digital age. We have got, by the way, some great new shows coming up this fall. But you can't hear them if you don't get them. So subscribe to our podcast and make sure that you get New Tech City every single week. Go search for New Tech City on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else you like to listen to audio on demand. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Manoush Samarodi.